In today's episode, I had the pleasure in speaking with someone who I consider to be a mentor and a very dear friend, and that is Dave Hicks, Marketing and Business Development Manager at Ontario Motor Sales, Clarington Hyundai, and the soon-to-be Clarington Kia. He was a very busy guy, but we got about 30, 40 minutes in. We were able to talk about COVID-19, Facebook marketing, processes, and then we finished it off speaking about what do we do in September when our kids have to go back to school. Now, before we get to the conversation with Dave, here is a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Socket Talk from Dealer Socket Blackbird CRM. Socket Talk is the text message functionality within the CRM. Now, over the past few months, dealerships have shown an increase of 50% more activity using text and it really, it really hits home when they add text messaging into current everyday processes from confirming appointments to answering web leads to sending pictures and video. The tool truly works its magic. Case in point, I had a team call with an entire dealership on the phone and we used text messaging on three leads and got an appointment with one and conversations with others. So massive open rate, plenty of engagement and truly provides that positive customer experience. Today's episode is also brought to you by Katie Thorndike and her podcast, The Otherwise Intelligent Woman. Again, that's Katie Thorndike, The Otherwise Intelligent Woman. This podcast is phenomenal. I wish I were a woman just so I could be on the show. I know I say that in every, t- every time I say that sponsorship, but she's just got a great platform, a great group of guests, and it's just an always uh, a very interesting listen. For more information, go to brandonsocket.com forward slash T-O-I-W, the acronym for her show, T-O-I-W. So brandonsocket.com forward slash T-O-I-W. And with that, it's time to get the show started. So buckle up, grab a drink, put the earbuds in, and here we go. Welcome to the Brandon Socket Experience. All right, today on the podcast, we have my good friend slash, I'm going to say ex-mentor, but still a mentor today, Dave Hicks from Ontario Motor Sales, BDC and Marketing Director. Dave, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me today. Hey, well, thanks for having me. It's, I think it's been 10 years since we, uh, we've known each other. Ten, just going, Yeah, 10. I think I just had my 10-year anniversary of starting in, the, in car sales. So today... I really want to talk about COVID-19. It seems to be the thing to, to talk about. I, I, I'm very curious about what, what has happened to dealerships and how they change processes. Well, I definitely want to talk to you about Facebook marketing and marketing overall as far as the last 90 days and prior. And then you and I have a similar, uh, I don't know if it's a, a problem or an issue, but we both have kids that are in school starting September and there are some unknowns sure. with that. Yeah. So. Let's um let's start with the COVID. You know, yep. what was there any warning at the dealership level? Were there any conversations between you know yourself and the management team in January, February, or did it hit everyone in March? Uh, I think that we were um, sort of aware of what was going on, and um, you know, I think you know in January, I think everybody was sort of getting. Um, word that this that this virus was out there, um, you know, overseas. It hadn't made its way to North America yet. And then, uh, you know, we started to hear news of it. And then I think, you know, probably 
it's all such a blur now. I mean, but I think if we go back to, to March, that's when really um, things really started to become real and, and everybody realized that, that uh, sooner or later I uh, we're going to close. And I, I remember, you know, not even just at work um, playing squash and doing other things, having conversations with people thinking um, this is great. We're, but this could be the last time we play. So I think we were all, starting to feel like uh, the shoe was about to drop and, and something was going to happen. And then, and then sure enough, the, you know, the shutdowns came and, uh, and uh, life as we know it has, uh, is, is not quite the same anymore. <laughs> no kidding. So I know you and I have had some passionate conversations around process. And yeah. I, I remember speaking to you. I feel, I feel like it was, End of March, maybe somewhere in there. It was still brand new, still fresh, and there were literally out of hundreds of you know over a hundred, maybe 150 employees in just the one dealership, down to three people. And and you know maybe address or talk about you know what what went through your head or what what went through the heads of the management team as a whole about you know the current process versus what's going to happen you know, starting April, May, June, July, whenever we were going to come out of us. So maybe discuss some of the process conversations without giving up your yeah. secret sauce. I mean, but, no, you know, for sure. Well, I think what happened was it was, uh, you know, we had an opportunity um, that you don't really have. And it's whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but the, you know, something, there's always a silver lining, right. And, and when the, the, um, the shutdown happened, um, you don't those are, I don't want to call it an opportunity, but those event that doesn't happen in business or in the car business or any business for that matter, where you get an opportunity to reset or refocus and and so when the dealership closed and and um, I think some dealers were still trying to scramble to figure out how to how to do business, but for all intents and purposes we were we were out of business for a few weeks and and our staff was uh was at home. Uh, the dealership was closed. Uh, we were still getting um, some service customers through on a on an as needed basis. So, um, for a bunch of us, it, it was an opportunity to really focus on um, how do we sustain the business going through this. Um, but more importantly, how do we how do we scale the business or how do we evolve the business going forward when we get back to work after all this is done. So um, it, it led to a lot of conversations and, and uh, a lot of planning, a lot of uh, sort of foreshadowing, but also really dissecting our existing um, process and processes, I guess, and figuring out how we wanted to evolve those going forward. So um like I said, you know, it, there's that silver lining. You you hate to be um, closed and, and out of business, um, but uh, you, we we found an opportunity to make the best of it and figure out what we needed to to do to address some of the challenges that we were having in our business pre-COVID, and and how we could evolve um, and adapt those into our process going forward, knowing full well that you know when customers come back or when business comes back after COVID, is it going to come back the same way as we had it before? And I think we all came to the conclusion that likely not, it's going to be different. 
Right. And, and on the, on the staffing front. So I, I know everyone was laid off and sorry about the dog in the background. That's, that's, uh, that's what happens when you have COVID-19. <laughs> Everybody yeah. is home. Um, yeah. On the staffing front, you know, in speaking with Alyssa Brownlee from Kitchener Hyundai, you know, her team at uh, out in Kitchener, sorry, Hyundai. I, thank you for correcting me on yeah. that. It's not Hyundai, yeah. it's Hyundai. That's right. Sorry. I'm going to thank you for that. Saturday, staff, Sunday, sorry, Hyundai. Saturday, Sunday, Hyundai. I, was, I, I had a note yeah. to say that. My apologies. Yeah. So on their front, she had a sense that the staff, you know, it, it's like you don't know what you have until it's gone. And so you had some staff, obviously all the staff were laid off. And in particular for, you know, a commission salesperson being off was the, the better position to be in. Now that most of them are back, I know one isn't due to, you know, you know, health and age and whatnot, and that's fine. But for the rest of them, do you sense any, oh my God, we actually kind of have it good or, you know, what's the, I guess the demeanor or the mood or, you know, what's going on with the staff right now? Well, I, I think there's still... Uh, I, I think there's still a little bit of anxiety maybe. Um, and, and the reason being is that we still don't know what reality looks like. We are still, we're kind of back in a, you know, businesses are open. We're in a, uh, a bit of a hybrid mode right now where um, we're trying to tread through whether what we're experiencing now is the new reality or is this, are we in a transition to the new reality? Um, and, and as an example, um, you know, you'll recall that uh, when when dealerships first opened um, after COVID, it was by appointment only. So um, we have we have staff, as I'm sure most dealerships do. We have some staff that are really good at walk-in customers. We have staff that yeah. are great with with phone traffic. We have staff that are great with uh, with internet leads. So when you take away that phone traffic. Or sorry, you take away that walk-in traffic. Now everybody's got to be really good at at handling phone um, phone calls and handling internet leads. And so then we transition into where we are today, where dealership is open. Um, it's not by appointment. You can literally drive to the dealership and walk in unannounced and then look at a car and 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 go about your normal business. Obviously, there's physical distancing and, and the showroom yep. is set up differently. We have no cars in the showroom. It's those are all spaced out. Um, you, uh, have tables with glass, uh, you have table with plexiglass up, do you not? Uh, we've got tables. They're, they're, there's no plexiglass. They're distanced. We've got, um, right. we've got um, sanitization signs. So when you come into the showroom, there are, I'm not sure the number of tables in the showroom. I'm going to say a half a dozen. Um, yep. Each one of them has a has a sign on them that when it's flipped over, it is the t- the table is occupied. It could be being used by a salesperson and the customer that are out looking at a vehicle or something like that. It's it's occupied. Do not use it. Um, when they're finished with it, the sign gets flipped over and the sign the the, the station is sanitized and it's ready for the next customer and, and salesperson yep. to to um, to work together when when they come in. So, but where I was going was. Um, you know, we're in that transition where we're, that's the point we're at now. And we're finding a, a tremendous spike in, in internet lead traffic. Um, we uh, probably would have to go back for the last couple of months. So I think we've exceeded any month we had in 2019 from an internet lead count. 
Um, the closing ratio on internet leads is significantly higher. So it's telling us obviously that that customers are, even though they still have, they have the opportunity to just arrive at the dealership, they're still doing more work and contacting us prior to coming into the dealership. So there's, there's more work required um, up front before the customer arrives at the showroom than there has been or there was prior to COVID for most of our staff anyway. So it's, it's a bit of an adjustment and, uh, and, and I think it's taking us through a, a, a transition, let's say. Yep. Wish I was there. I wish I was there still doing the videos from 2014, 2013, right? I mean, that's that's legitimately, it's almost like we were, we were six years ahead of it. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I literally just got off the phone with a team call discussing, I had a, I had a, I had a dealership call where I had the sales managers on the call and had all the salespeople and we were trying to get them adapted to the, to dealer socket CRM and using socket talk and, you know, to get by. And I literally had the sales manager on the call and I was logged in as him. And I said, Andrew, you know, click here, click here. Okay. That lead came in 20 minutes ago. Here's what I'd like you to type, right? Now walk out to the car and shoot a picture with your video software. And, and you know, he, I think he booked two out of three customers appointments, but had a hundred percent engagement through text. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one yeah. where, you know, I don't want to change, change topics or move away from it, but I feel as though, you know, now that, COVID's here, communicating with your customers via text, phone, and email is more important. And the power of video, in my personal opinion, basically differentiate you from everyone's, everyone else who's still using email calling and, and maybe not even using sure. the, the text functionality out of the gate. But um, speaking of marketing, unless you have more to discuss about COVID, yeah. and, I, and I think this only popped in my head last week because it started to come to the forefront in the media and I try to stay away from all news because it just puts me down. But you got Coca-Cola and all these major companies pulling out of Facebook marketing. Any, and, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then I listened to another podcast. I won't bring up the topic because I don't want people to think it. But any any thoughts on, you know, dealerships in Canada making a statement by pulling out of Facebook or is it, you know, I mean, Coca-Cola is mainstream everywhere. I find that dealership Facebook advertising is more within their community and their PMA. Any thoughts on what's going on with Facebook right now on the marketing side? Um, I, I don't think that we can make decisions in the same manner that Coca-Cola does. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. that is a a multinational brand recognized uh, entity. So they, you know, they have the luxury of being able to make a move like that and probably not really find a, you see a significant impact on their business. They, you know, there's other medium that they can, um, that they can um, advertise through or, or market through, but ultimately they are a, uh, they could turn everything off tomorrow and there's still Coca-Cola and they're still yeah. going to be in the stores and people are still going to ask for them because they've, you know, it's just it's stitched into our, into our being, right? That's, you know, if yeah. you're a Coke drinker, you're a Coke drinker, right? Yeah. Um, so a car dealership doesn't have the same luxury. We don't have the, yeah, yeah, um, right, you know, right. we, we don't, we don't get to just, you know, be um, cocky or arrogant and decide one month that we can just shut off our, our marketing and, and expect that the, the doors will fly open and customers will buy cars. We still have to go through the normal channels. So that's a tough one. I, I don't really like it us personally as a dealership we're not advertising on facebook right now but that really is more of a a covid um 
decision and it's and it's yeah. really as we're going through um building out process and and sort of tweaking our our processes at the dealership we we don't feel um that there's really any point right now in trying to generate more lead activity um yeah. until we've got our system honed and we're 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 comfortable where we're going with it we want to make sure that every every lead that comes into our CRM is handled perfectly and and um while we're still tweaking process and and fixing things there's no point in in flooding the the CRM with uh with leads if you're not going to handle them properly so so that's where we are right now but and having then you know going back to what I said a minute ago our lead counts are as strong as they've been in in 18 months so um right. we haven't really had the need to to spend money on advertising but the day will come and it's probably very yeah. soon um, that we will um, venture back in, and, and I don't see us pulling away from Facebook because it gives us an opportunity to um, advertise in a way that other mediums don't allow us to. You know, yep. we can really um, select our audience. We can mirror. Um, we can pull data out of our CRM and create lookalike audiences in Facebook and, and target people that are like our regular customers. And it's a challenge. You know, that that is a unique. Um, offering from from Facebook, so I don't see us changing that. I think that uh, will continue on, but I can certainly appreciate with everything that's going on in yeah. the world, and and specifically in the United States, and and um, the the the, uh, the spotlight is on um, social media and specifically yeah. Facebook for data integrity and and. Uh, and content and verified content and all that sort of stuff. So I, I can, I can understand that the decision that they make and I, and I, I applaud them for it. And it's just not something that, that we get to, we don't get to make those decisions at our level. Yeah. It's funny. Um, it's not funny. Sorry. Uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and it talked, you know, I don't want to make a comment about what's going on in the world. Cause you know, there's, you know, shaming on social media and I don't want to corner you and yeah. I, uh, yeah. Anywhere people are getting fired for statements, so I just won't make a statement. But back to your Facebook halt. Yeah, the, the, I remember again. Remember calling you in March, April to ask you a question as a dealership because I don't work in a dealership anymore. And the yeah. line you used was, "We're just mitigating loss, right? We, you know, everything's closed. We have to mitigate as much loss as possible to make it through to this." So while you're on the mitigating loss factor uh, and keeping on the marketing train, are there any other mediums where you maybe, you know, like you said, hit the reset button. So now you've got, and by hitting the reset button, you've got time to really kind of sit back and go, okay, here's our current processes. Have you figured out any other mediums maybe with this reset button that you might venture off into? Well, yes or no. (laughs) Yeah. You know, well, you mentioned video a minute ago and that's, Mm -hmm. uh, that's been a big thing for us for a long time. It's been, it's, it's been a challenge to get that up and running and, and get consistent, uh, get that sort of stamped into our process as a consistent must have. Like it's, you can't, if you're going to take internet leads, this is part of the process. So um, we've been on that for, for quite a while now trying to get that in. Um, and this, you know, this is what, that's one of the resets that we made at the dealership and we're, we're heading in that direction. So, so that's been, that's been good. And I think, um, getting back to what I was saying a minute ago, um, from a marketing perspective, um, I think our 
um, even though it's not really, it's, it's, it's not outbound marketing or it's not um, advertising per se, our, our pro- managing our process and the way that we interact with our customers is first and foremost. Like that is, uh, um, I, I'm a believer that um, if you create amazing experiences for your customers, you can do that um, at the expense of advertising. You can pull back advertising because um, that word of mouth or the, you know, um, the referral traffic and, and, and um, the referrals that you can generate through great experiences, I think that can offset marketing expense. So you can, you can pull back that way. And that's a direction that, that we would like to, to head in. I think that we, um, we're fortunate to, to work at a dealership or a couple of dealerships that, that value um, customer experience and, and we'll go above and beyond to make sure that our customers are creating great or are, are getting, are having great experiences with us. So, um, and that lead handling follow-up process is part of it. And so making sure that all of our internet leads are handled within, um, you know, 10 to 15 minutes and the second response happens um, within a half an hour after that. And that second response is a video of, um, of the vehicle on the lot, acknowledging the questions that the customer asked and um, establishing um, future expectations for follow-up. Those things, when you put all of that together, that's a good experience. And, and, our, yep. and our most dealers are not doing it at this point. So if yep. you can get out ahead and make sure that your customers are getting that um, treatment from the dealership, you'll stand out and, and, Yep. It's funny because, as you mentioned, Brandon, we've been talking about this for a long time, and uh, yeah. it's dealers are still not doing it, and there are dealers that are very close to doing it and are on the cusp of doing it, and there's just as many, if not more, dealers that are not anywhere close to being able to to, to pull this type of thing off, and it's 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 unfortunate. I think it's something that collectively, as an industry, we all need to move the needle on this together. Yeah. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think it's something that uh, that all dealerships should be doing, but obviously those that uh, can get out in front of it and, and handle it are going to be the ones that, that see success with it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to add to what you said, because you're right. We, we were doing it uh, 2013, I think, is when we were doing video responses. And I still, you know, since, you know, 2014, let's just say I've, you know, at the USOC and consulted for a hundred plus stores and every single store I go to, I have this exact conversation and I pull up, you know, the Ontario Motor Sales YouTube channel with the walk around videos. And then I pull up my YouTube channel with my thank you videos. And I tell them I have an, I had an 85 ish percent contact ratio and then 25% appointment, um, you know, made 85% show rate, 65% sold rate gave us like a 12 point, uh, 12.0 closing ratio on leads. And the, but the biggest factor is you're differentiating yourself from other dealers. The customer thinks you did work. And I just, you know, I've, I've told, if I've told a hundred stores, I know two dealerships that are doing it. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? Right. And I want to, I want to, again, on, on top of your comment about the customer experience, same thing with my, my YouTube channel. I, the, the line that made me not necessarily change my thought, but confirm my thought was, I created a YouTube channel to help my dealers not to make money. So right. if if you go into a, a, a you know a customer walks in the dealership and all you're thinking about is the sale, 
you know, you're not going to get it. But if you think about providing the next step, the next step, the next step and providing the best customer experience, then the sale will come. Right. So, you know, I agree with you 100 percent about the customer experience. And, you know, I just I love doing the videos on YouTube. I think they're they're very powerful. Maybe I, I just lucked out once by shooting a video and the customer. That was the line. The customer said, Brandon, I felt like you did work for me. So I at least owed you an appointment. And I was like, OK, mm-hmm. I was just trying to help but okay that's really good feedback so um now i want to move on to a non-dealership topic you and i are both dads we both uh you know your kids are definitely older than mine and i'm uh, lately i've been having conversations with with a number of different people who have kids and i'm nervous about september only because i work my wife's a teacher your wife works you work you got you know, one daughter going to university, second or third year, I can't remember which. And then you've got another daughter who's got to finish high school. Any yeah. worries, any any stressful conversations with your wife at home going, you know, if it's every other day, what are we doing? Well, we're we're in a, a lucky spot, I guess, in that our kids are a little bit older and a little bit more self-sufficient. So that... You know the home care side of it is not a is not a concern for us. Um, yeah. You know I've got I've got my one daughter is going into third year university, so um, she we know at this point that she's going to be home for um, online studies through the first semester anyway, and then it's uh, it's up in the air after that. Um, and my uh, my youngest is going into grade twelve, so um, jury's still out there. We don't know exactly what's going to happen <laughs> yeah, that's there right. yet. That's crazy. And and my wife is is working from home um until the end of September at this point and then beyond that we aren't uh, we aren't sure what happens there so um so for us it's it's not it's more of an impact that we have four people all needing quiet time in the house um at the same yeah. time sometimes which is uh you know you get a lot of grumpy <laughs> you get grumpy people walking around the around the house saying you know be quiet I'm on the phone or I'm on a I'm on a Zoom <laughs> meeting or I'm on a you know, and it's funny because I've got both of my daughters are both doing um, summer courses as well. So uh, they both they both started uh, last week with new new courses, and and uh, um, so they, they both take their studies pretty seriously. Um, you know, I didn't. Um, I wish I had taken them a little bit more seriously, but they both take them very seriously. And and uh, so when they don't understand something or uh, or they, they you know the they both have a little bit of perfectionism, perfectionism in them with their their work habits, so everything's got to be just right. So uh, you know, you kind of have to get out of their way. So it's kind of it is different having everybody at home and being focused on something and, and needing their quiet time and space and that sort of thing. So that part has been very much of an adjustment. But uh, come September, I think um, you know, my I'm I'm working in the office uh, normal hours um, every day, so. It, I'm I'm away from it, and uh, um, my wife um, is, is home working days, and then uh, you know the girls are home. But it, it's really, I think it's been less. Um, it's had less of an impact on our lives because there's you know my uh, both daughters play have played sports and and are fairly active, and all of that kind of stuff has gone away. So. Uh, we haven't had travel to games and, and practices right. and things like that. And uh, and come September, I, I would imagine that um, there will be no extracurricular activities at school um, for the for the you know unforeseeable future. So 
Um, I don't imagine we're going to have, um, you know, to make adjustments or arrangements to get my daughter to a, a game at another school or a, yep. a practice yep. or anything like that. So, so really for us, it's, it's probably having an impact in the other way. Whereas obviously for, for you and, um, and, and parents with younger kids, it's a real challenge, and I, I really feel for anybody that's going through that, where you have to start making decisions about whether you can actually go back to work because you've got yeah. you've got kids at home, and and um, and and that's the thing, you know, the, the um, just because the green light is being given for um, uh, childcare to open up doesn't mean that it that is doable for most childcare providers. Yep. It's yep. there's still a lot of rules and and. Uh, and regulations around that and whether those childcare providers can uh, meet those standards is, is going to be a challenge. So that doesn't necessarily mean that just because they open that all of the kids are welcomed back on day one and it's, you know, it's business as usual. It's going to be an adjustment. So, yeah, for yeah, me, it, it, I, you know, it, it's one of those scenarios where, you know, Michelle and I took a, an email from the board and obviously she's a teacher, so she gets the information uh, inside rather than, you know, we, we kind of get a, a jump start on it. And the questions are like, would you prefer two days a week or Monday, Wednesday, Friday? And I'm like, I'd like every day personally, yeah. but right. It's just one of the things where if they can't, I, I think the idea is, you know, half capacity to spread the kids out in the classroom and then they leave teacher disinfects the desks, and then the next, you know, the next group comes in. And yeah. like you said, I mean, I feel for parents, I, you know, I guess I'm lucky. I, I do work from home and I, I did want to, I'm going to throw an extra question in here, but I was going to say the, you know, I work from home, but I know you've been on calls with me before where I go, Hey, my kids are home. So if you, you, know, you jump in the bed behind me or my dog barks, just deal with it. Right. It's welcome to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. I've had an epiphany. So I'm going to share my epiphany first or my, my realization while COVID-19 has been on, um, and the realization I had was working from home has actually given me an extra 40 to 60 hours a month extra to provide, you know, support for my dealers because I'm not traveling. Yeah. And so that was a huge eye opener. And that's where I can have two or three different conference calls with dealers. Uh, I can answer my phone, you know, nine times out of 10, unless I'm already on a call with a dealer. But when I'm at a store, yeah. I don't answer a call. Have you had any realizations? Did you, have you realized how much time the dealer spends on X, Y, Z or, or a personal thing? Any, any realizations slash epiphanies? Well, I'll tell you one thing we're going through right now. Um, we've, as we've been going through this and, and so I, back when um, the dealership was first, the showroom was closed or closing. Um, I think it was a week before that, or it might've been right about that time. I kind of decided um, for me that, there wasn't much need for me to be at the dealership. Um, so I took my docking station and my monitors and went home and, and set up an office at home. And I worked for about three weeks at home. And through that time, obviously we had, um, we had a number of um, teams or zoom style meetings. So a lot of uh, video conferencing and, and, and things like that. And the one thing it did is it it made us rethink our process for meetings at the dealership yep. and um we also came to some realizations that the dealership was not equipped properly to handle these types of meetings so we have a we've um you know you've been there a million times but we've got a a, a boardroom and then we've got a large training room in the dealership and 
uh, we've sort of realized that as we're doing Zoom calls out, specifically the large training room, the sound is terrible in there. So it's it's really hard to have somebody chimed in on a call and then, you know, us collectively as a group of, uh, well, six at the moment, but six people spread out in a massive room six feet apart, really hard to get good quality sound back and forth yep. through um, through a Zoom or Teams meeting. So we're going through the process right now to um, to reconfigure those rooms and, and um, we're making an investment into some AV um, equipment to better handle um, digital and, and audio conferencing, uh, audio and video conferencing in, in our executive boardroom and the, the training room just for the, these reasons. And the other thing we've realized is that um, we there's a way for us to make our meetings much more efficient. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. well, because it, you can imagine, you know, we have um, we we have a, a standing Tuesday morning marketing meeting at the dealership. Yep. And that meeting includes um, anywhere from, you know, five to 12 people in a, you know, any given week from the uh dealer principal, general manager, sometimes the CFO is there. He's regularly there. We've got our sales managers that are there. We've got uh, the, the marketing manager, myself. I've got my marketing coordinators. We've got some um, inventory management uh, team that, that, that is in those meetings as well. So it can, be a, it can be a busy room as well as some BDC staff that, that are in those meetings from time to time. And typically what happens is you you try to schedule the meeting as best as you can and put together an agenda so you can have people in when they need to be in there, but you know, they can excuse themselves when the conversation no longer pertains to them, but that's really challenging. That's a really hard thing to do. Um, So I think we've come to the realization now that we don't need everybody in the room at the same time. You know, we don't need to have 12 people in a boardroom uh, for a meeting uh, we can have four people and we can call in people individually through Teams or Zoom um, yep. and manage things in a much more efficient uh, timeline. So that way we people can have more productive time to go about their regular daily tasks and they can jump into a call when it's important and relevant for them instead of sitting around and, and having to listen through conversations that you really don't have any yeah. interest or, or concern with, you know, so that's one change that we that we're making at the dealership is is using, uh, and it's sort of the silver lining that comes out of COVID is that it's given us some awareness as to what our internal meeting process looks like and how and, and some ways that we could streamline that and make it a little bit more efficient. Sweet, yeah, we've we we've, we've noticed some of some of some of the same items where meetings are running long or how do we keep them shorter? How do we get back to work and you know, make it 20 minutes, not an hour of, of chit chat. So yeah. um, we, we've now come to the end of the podcast and I actually have, it's the last section. It's my favorite. I'm not sure if you listen to the other one, but it's called rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you 11 questions. They're yes or no's favorite this, this yeah. or that. Yeah. Um, really no thought to it. The last, yeah, there's, you know, nine, 10 are pretty, you have to think about them. And number 11 is my favorite. So if you're ready, um, yeah. I'm going to start asking questions. You cool? Let's go. All right. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite meal? Favorite dinner meal? Steak. Nice. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. White bread or brown bread? Oh. 
which which do I prefer or which do I eat? Uh, which let's do say, you eat? Let's say I eat brown bread. But you prefer white bread? Uh, yes. <laughs> Coffee. I know the answer to this. Coffee, tea, or hot chocolate? Coffee. Okay. What are you watching right now on Netflix, Prime, Crave, or whatever streaming service you have? Um, you know, we just finished one, actually. We were watching Barry. Okay. I'm not sure if you've watched that. It's a pretty funny show with uh, um, Henry Winkler and, um, oh, my God, from Saturday Night Live. Uh, not Phil uh, Hader. Phil Hader. Okay. What, what streaming service? That, that's Crave, actually. Okay. I believe. I don't have Crave, so that's why I probably haven't seen it. Okay. All right. Next question. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Uh, probably super bad. <laughs> okay, sweet. McLovin, uh, yeah. where would you be if you were not in the automotive industry? Oh, wow. Um... <laughs> God, I've, I've been in the automotive industry for 26 years, so I'm not sure where I would be. Uh, <laughs> I, I would be in in I'd be in sales of some kind. I'm sure. I don't know exactly okay. where, but probably that's probably where I would be. Okay. What are you obsessed with right now? What am I obsessed with? Um. I I can't look away from U.S. politics right now. I, it's that uh, <laughs> it's like it's, a train wreck. <laughs> it's a train wreck, and I and I can't look away. I, I I have to be honest. I I pay more attention to American politics than I do Canadian politics, which is shameful because it's, we've got so much stuff going on in our own backyard that we should be yeah. paying close attention to. But it's just such a um, it's such a, a train wreck in the states. Yeah, you can't I, you can't I, look away. Yeah, I can um, I can support that statement. Simply, and yeah. I guess it's 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 there's so much of it out there that it kind of drowns out everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Question ten. One thing most people don't know about Dave Hicks. He oh once left the home run derby to me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So fluke. one thing that most people don't know about Dave Hicks. I'm an open book. I think people know everything they need to know about me. Um, what don't they? I, I don't know. I, I I can't give you an answer on that one. Do, I, do I don't most know. people know you're a pretty fairly competitive badminton player? I think most people do that know you, right? I think a lot of people that know me know that. Yeah, but uh, I, I would I'm say throw this I would, one for you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say maybe most people know. This. I'm 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 deathly competitive yeah I, I find i find competition in just about everything i do and but maybe <laughs> i maybe 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 everybody knows that about me i'm not sure <laughs> i'm gonna say uh you're a really good golfer and you're really good at, at badminton not so much at home run derbies okay last question and this happens to be my favorite question to everybody in the automotive industry first car first car i owned or first car that i 
drove as kind of my own vehicle. First car that was yours, whether you purchased it or you acquired okay. it in some other fashion. What was so your first I, ever? yeah, I had a um, 19, my parents gave me this to, they gave this to me um, with, instead of trading it in. I had a 1989 uh, Chevrolet S10 Blazer, but I didn't have the 4.3 engine. It had the 2.8, so it was pretty gutless, but it was cool looking. It was black, it was black and red. It was pretty sharp, had spare tire on the back. So it was all that. Manual windows did it have AC? Oh, it had it had it all. Uh, power windows, Sweet. air conditioning, yeah, aluminum rims. It was pretty sharp. Okay, and what was the? First it, it, also had, it also had own... about a hundred. It had one hundred eighty thousand kilometers as well. So, but it still okay. looked good. And then what was what was the first car you bought then? First car I bought was a uh, uh, two thousand, no, nineteen. Sorry, nineteen ninety, um, Honda Accord EXR four-door, five-speed manual. It's great. Sweet it was ride. Fun. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our rapid fire. Hixie, Dave Hicks, we've worked together. We've known each other a while. I just want to say yeah. a big thank you for uh, being on my podcast, and I appreciate the conversation. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. That concludes today's episode. A big thank you again to Dave Hicks of Ontario Motor Sales, Clarington Hyundai, and Clarington Kia. Thank you to Dealer Sockets, Socket Talk for being a sponsor, and thank you to Katie Thorndike of the Otherwise Intelligent Woman podcast. Episodes drop every Wednesday. Please check your podcast provider for more episodes. I'm your host, Brandon Alexander, and this is the Brandon Socket Experience. <laughs>